to me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and this is a post-game podcast, Thanksgiving night from AT&T Stadium, the final score, the Dallas Cowboys 28, your New York Giants 20, and this game may have ended up with the result that a lot of people anticipated, but the way they got there is certainly not the way the masses were predicting on social media that this was going to be a massacre, quote-unquote, which is what I saw from several people on Thursday morning, that the Giants were going to be lucky to be within two touchdowns of this game. And I think this game ended up teaching you and me and all of us that the NFL, the NFL is truly a week-to-week league. But more than that, with two games in five days, it is a five-day period to five-day period what could happen in the NFL. And I'll give you my thoughts on the game and how that sets up for the Giants now. Not all hope is lost, but it's certainly going to be a challenge over the next four weeks, I would say. Maybe expand it to five, and then you might as well just go all the way through and say the Giants have the rest of this season to prove that they deserve to be in the postseason because they will earn that right if they get there. So we'll get to that in a second. I'll give you my thoughts on the game here. You know, I thought, as I wrote, as I said on the podcast, I thought Sunday against the Lions was a reality check. I'm not going to say that the Giants were flat, but it looked like when they went into their tank for the first time all season, when they needed that extra juice, when they needed that extra fuel, it wasn't there. And they ended up losing 31-18 to the Lions. Now you look at Thanksgiving and what happened Thanksgiving early afternoon. The Lions gave the Buffalo Bills all they could handle. These Lions are not what their record indicates. The actual result, if you're one of those Giants fans who's still focused on the playoffs and you want to see how everything breaks down, Detroit losing actually helps you because that takes them really out of a mix to challenge you for your record because they have the tiebreaker head-to-head. So here's how I see the NFC playing out because that gets into how this game played out with Giants and the Cowboys is that I think you're looking at the Eagles will be the top seed. The Vikings will be the number two seed. Number three will be San Francisco. They'll win the NFC West. Number four 
will be Tampa Bay. They'll win the NFC South. And then I think five will be the Dallas Cowboys. I think six is a good chance of being the Seattle Seahawks. If Seattle falters, then I think the Giants have an opportunity to get up to six. If that doesn't happen and the Giants are in play for number seven, I think Washington is really the only team that I see right now that can make a push to challenge the Giants in that seventh spot. Seattle holds the tiebreaker over the Giants, so if they finish tied, Seattle will get the sixth wild card. Now, let's talk about this game a little bit. The Giants played this game without three starting offensive linemen, which would be their left guard. They're actually down today was the eighth left guard that has started next to Andrew Thomas since he got in the league in 2020. So the Giants are down at left guard to their fourth string left guard. Ben Bredesen's on on IR. He can't come back soon enough for the Giants. Shane Lemieux played a half of last week's game. He hurt his toe again, is on the injured report, the injury report, so who knows where he's going to come back and what type of spot he comes back in. And Joshua Azudu, the rookie, just when you thought he was developing and was going to get an opportunity, he has a neck issue. He was out. So that was at left guard. Jack Anderson started at left guard. Then at center, John Feliciano was ruled out, did not make the trip. Nick Gates was back as starting center. Then at right tackle, Evan Neal is the starter. Evan Neal is close, but he also developed an illness this week. So between the knee injury that he's coming back from and the illness, the Giants left him home. I don't think they were going to play him anyway, but there was an opportunity that maybe he would have been active and then maybe they get some snaps in live action. That didn't happen. So I think you're looking at Evan Neal, provided everything goes well next week, he could return against Washington. Then you have to look at what happened there. Tyree Phillips plays right tackle. Then Andrew Thomas has been sick all week. He was listed as questionable. But if this were a full week, Andrew Thomas wouldn't have practiced again today, yet he's out there playing against the Dallas Cowboys and their dominant front. Thomas, I think, for the most part, gutted it out. Actually made some plays against Micah Parsons, who rushed against him. He did give up two sacks, one in which he kind of led Micah Parsons to Daniel Jones, who was looping around. So, technically, I'm not sure if they would actually assign that sack responsibility to Thomas. But the second sack late in the game, the Giants were in a hurry up, trying to push down just to get a late score. And Thomas gave up the sack, just a speed rush to Micah Parsons. Now, here are the things that bother me. Offensively, the run game has taken a hit ever since Daniel Bellinger 
got injured. And that was against Jacksonville. Seattle's defense got a lot of credit in Seattle for what they did to shut down the Giants' running attack. And then obviously Houston did a halfway decent job, but Saquon still had a ton of yards. And then Detroit did a good job. And now Dallas did a good job. Is there something wrong with Saquon Barkley? No, I don't believe so. I just think that when you're down in certain spots on your offensive line and teams can tee off of Saquon Barkley and know that he's going to get the football, well, you're going to have to diversify your offense. What I can't explain is where the element of Daniel Jones' running game has gone. They don't look to it. There have been zone reads where Daniel Jones has not kept the ball, and it's looked like if they had gone back to it, he'd be able to gain more yardage, and they haven't. That surprises me. Now, whether or not they were trying to lay low and not use that against Dallas because some of the speed that Dallas has on the edge, certainly possible, but I don't know that. And the bigger issue here is that when you take that element out of the gameplay, you lose things that were lauded a month ago. I mean, I praise Daniel Jones and his ball handling ability and his play fakes. That has pretty much gone into the oblivion. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen that part of this offense. Now, not that might be the evolution coming out of the bye week, but it's just not there. So... That could be attributed to Bellinger and his presence as a blocker and how much of a factor it was in the game. You hope that he can get back soon. I heard a lot of optimistic things in terms of where Bellinger was at. He was on the field here today, pregame. He made the trip. He was out there catching passes on the field, running routes. He told me this week he did that in practice. So... Slowly but surely, Bellinger is getting back to the point where they might feel like they can trust him. The only question is, this is a unique eye injury. So you have to figure out what you're going to do and when you can truly put him on the field. This isn't a situation where Daniel Bellinger, God forbid, got hurt in a car accident and hurt his eye the way he sustained damage here. And then he's going to go sit behind a desk. That's not going to happen. So they need to make the determination of when it's safe to put him on the football field. So that may not come as quickly as he hopes or some people in the locker room hope or people in the organization hope. So we just have to wait and see and when that is ready for Bellinger to come back. When you look at this game, to me, I think it came down to two plays that really broke things open. One was the fourth and one in the third quarter when the Giants went for it near midfield. Daniel Jones took heat up the middle. There was a rusher in his face. He rushed the pass to the left flat to Saquon Barkley. The pass got there to Saquon, but Saquon couldn't handle it, and the ball dropped incomplete. That would have been good enough for a first down. The Giants would have paid off that gamble, and they would have been at midfield and potentially new set of downs driving. 
Of course, after the game, Daniel Jones said it could have been a better throw. After the game, Saquon Barkley said he could have and should have made that catch. The reality is two of their better offensive players, arguably their best two offensive players, skill positions anyway, failed to make a big play. Now, if you look at the Giant, if you look at the Giants' opponent on Sunday, uh, well, on Thursday, C.D. Lamb made plays all over the field. In the first half, Michael Gallup made plays all over the field. Ezekiel Elliott had a couple huge runs. Tony Pollard, well, relatively kept in check. Now, you can't, you know, you might not be able to say that if you go look at the numbers. And I got the stat book right here. You know, Tony Pollard, 18 carries, 60 yards. You know what? Giants did a pretty good job on Pollard. 3.3 average. Ezekiel Elliott at 16 carries for 92 yards, which I thought Zeke was effective, but I didn't realize he had 92 yards rushing. So that fourth down really, really hurt the Giants in that situation. And if you're going to put yourself in a position where you want your better players and you need your better players to make plays, that's a situation where you look at what happened against Houston. Daniel Jones got the ball off in the vicinity of where Darius Slayton was. And Darius Slayton bobbled, but he made the catch. The defender ran by him, and then all of a sudden Slayton was off to the races for a a 54-yard touchdown. That's why Saquon Barkley was upset about that play. Because he knew his quarterback got it in the vicinity of where that was Saquon's ball. And he should have caught it. And he didn't. And plays happen. And that's what's going to happen. So then I'll fast forward to the one on defense. Besides the phantom holding call against Darnay Holmes, against CeeDee Lamb, let's be honest, we can only dream or project that a Dory Jackson would have followed CeeDee Lamb all over the field. We don't know if that would have happened. When Lamb lined up in the slot, would they have kept Holmes on him? I'm not sure. But Holmes had a real hard time handling C.D. Lamb. Now, he did have good coverage on Lamb. Cowboys fans disputed it on social media, thought it should have been a penalty on Darnay. But Darnay deflected the ball, intercepted by Julian Love. One of two interceptions on the day. Radarius Williams also had another interception of Dak Prescott. But the biggest play of the game was 3rd and 15. Dak Prescott, under duress, chucks the ball up to Dalton Schultz in the end zone. Nick McLeod had pretty good coverage, wasn't necessarily aggressive at the top of the route. And Schultz made a beautiful catch. Touchdown, Cowboys. And all of a sudden, in that situation, it went from 13-7 Giants to 14-13 Cowboys. Now, Schultz ended up catching another touchdown with two minutes to go in the third quarter. That made it 21-13. And then late in the game, midway through the fourth quarter, Cowboys essentially put the game away at 28-13 with the two-yard run for Peyton Hendershot, another tight end uh, for the Cowboys. The Giants 
fought back on the last drive. Daniel Jones with a touchdown pass to Richie James with eight seconds left. Relatively cosmetic. Obviously, for those who enjoy the odds and like to play some money and make some bets, if you got the Giants plus 10, you enjoyed that last touchdown. So, here are my thoughts on why Brian Dable seemed very angry at the press conference. To me, I think Dable probably squeezed every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears this week and brain power out of his coaching staff, out of the leaders on this team, and probably this entire team in general. As of Tuesday, remember, Dable still didn't know how many players were actually going to be able to play on a lengthy injury report. A short week under normal circumstances puts pressure on a coaching staff and the players. This week was even harder. This was even more of a challenge. I know Dable wants to stay consistent, keep emotions out of it. The reality is the Cowboys were coming in here off a 40-3 blowout of a team that was in second in the entire NFC Conference. Had just been coming off of an upset of the Buffalo Bills. The Giants, meanwhile, were coming off of the lowest point that they've had this season. That game against the Lions was ugly. They weren't good in three phases, and I certainly started wondering about the psyche of this team, how they would respond. Well, Dable and his coaches coached their asses off this week. They got this team ready to play. This team held a halftime lead on the Cowboys. They turned the ball over twice, intercepting Dak Prescott. Don't forget the fact that they turned the ball, forced the Cowboys to turn the ball over on downs. The reality is this Giants team deserved to win this game. But the Cowboys refused to allow it to happen in the second half. And the Giants failed on several key plays that prevented them from having a shot at winning this game. But what it tells me is that this one hurts because the Giants thought they'd win this one. They thought they'd outcoach Mike McCarthy and his staff and that their players would make opportune plays and they would steal this one here. And they didn't. And now everything comes down to me to the two games against Washington. The 4th and then either the 17th or the 18th, depending on when that game goes. I think it'll get flexed to the Saturday. Probably the 4.30 slot. Could be the 1 o'clock, but probably the 4.30 slot on that triple header Saturday uh, in which the NFL can pick three of five games that were designated before the season. I think prime time will be Miami-Buffalo that night at 8.30, but I do think the Giants-Washington will be either at 1 or 4.30, depending on the options, Uh, but that's where we're at now. So the Giants hopefully will get Evan Neal back. They hope to get Daniel Bellinger back at some point. We'll see what happens in the secondary. Ben Bredesen could be uh, closing in on a return. He'd have to be activated from IR. And 
this team now is trying to move forward, trying to get to a point where they really feel the thick of this playoff race. Well, that's going to come against Washington. Point blank, period. They have to beat Washington at least once. If they sweep Washington, it's very likely they will make the playoffs. If they split with Washington, they're going to need a lot of help, a lot of help or see how a lot of things break. Because I don't believe they'll beat the Eagles. If they beat the Eagles, then all of a sudden the Giants' plans change. That'll better their chances to make the playoffs. But the first thing Giants fans should do this weekend is buy a Falcons jersey and root for the Falcons against the Commanders. Because you don't want to be sitting there tied with Washington with two games you left to play against them. Because then you're getting into difficult territory. Now, they don't have an easy schedule. They still play San Francisco. So that's certainly a week that I wouldn't count on Washington winning. But for all intents and purposes, the Eagles and the Cowboys are at the top of the division. And the loser will end up being the first wild card. But the Giants and the Commanders have an opportunity to be duking it out. And that's a big spot for this team. So that's where we're at. And I think um, it was an entertaining game at times. I know it's frustrating for Giants fans to know that Dallas has now beaten them 10 out of the last 11 meetings. Dak Prescott is 10-2 in his career against the Giants. 10 straight wins after losing both games to the Giants as a rookie in 2016. And it's a matter of the Giants taking care of their own business. And don't worry about who you're going to see in the playoffs. Just worry about who you need to beat out to make the playoffs. And to me, team number one in that list is Washington, until proven otherwise. So the Giants are at a crossroads. Thanksgiving's now in the rear view. They get a little bit of a break to exhale. They'll be back on the practice field, I believe, Tuesday of next week. And then it's move forward and a huge home game against Washington. Thanks for tuning in for our post-game podcast. I'm out of here from AT&T Stadium. Again, final score, 28-20. The Cowboys beat the Giants. We'll stay all in. Hope you will too. See you next week.